When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. edition of the Michael Deacon program. First time listeners out there, thank you for finding us. Long time listeners out there, much love to you. And of course, those outside of America as well, thank you for all of your support. Like a breath of fresh fucking air, indeed. Today we will be joined by Dr. Richard Allen Miller, author, researcher. Dr. Richard Allen Miller has a vast array of knowledge and experience in alternative agriculture physics and metaphysics thank you ladies and gentlemen for allowing us into your hearts and into your minds here we are again on a night like this yes in a moment mr richard allen miller will be here and as always my right hand man mr mike hideous also with this live mike say hello Hello, everyone. Very nice. I'm glad you're here, Mike, especially after yesterday's episode. Oh, oh, boy. Oh, what an episode it was, indeed. Wasn't that fun? Oh, yeah, and I I blame you completely for leaving me with that guy. I know. (laughs) We'll have to go go into detail in the second half as soon as we bring in Mr. Richard Allen Miller, who is patiently waiting now. Let's bring him in. Uh, Richard, are you with us? Yes, I am. Very nice. Thank you so much for being here, Richard. It's always an honor and pleasure to have you on the program yet again. Stay tuned on that. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> well, so, I've been on a war zone. What's um, been going on with you, Richard? I, I'm, I'm confused again. Your website is up and then it goes down and your phone is messing up. What's been going on? I'm not sure. And I've got a bunch of military ex-buddies of mine and active that are now trying to determine what exactly is happening. And we haven't gotten there yet. Are we there yet? <laughs> um, I am. Um, I, I, OK, let me give you a little history. As you know, I've worked Navy intelligence since I came out of grad school. I'm a GS-18. I manage bunkers. I'm 76 years old, uh, and I'm, you know, I'm a grumpy old man. 
Um, and I did a bunch of things, like I started the SEAL program. I did MRU, which you would have associated with X-Files for the military, and uh, wrote the first uh, workups for Fox and chose not to want to live in Hollywood. Uh, you know, there's a thing on Netflix you can watch about Rock Hunter, uh, uh, Rock Hudson, and see how parties go with adrenocortisone and weirdness in Hollywood. And I just took a pass. And what I did for the next 10 years for that was I was their expert on staff. And in BC, when they would shoot, they would ask me what, you know, a set might look like if you walked into Dr. Carl Motet's forensics lab or whatever. Okay, so I've done things in my past, and I started teaching uh, as well at the University of Washington when I came out of grad school. And my roommate at that time was Mike Mandeville, and his doctoral thesis that he had written was on the experimental college where we used universities. That's where it all started, UW. Uh, uni universities at night for non-curriculum uh, activities like basket weaving and whatever. And then when Dixie Lee Ray head of the Atomic Energy Commission, retired, she became governor of the state of Washington and set up Evergreen out of Olympia. It's an experimental college that later became a university. And I was first faculty back then with students going through like Jeffrey Mishlove and Fred Allen Wolf and others that now have become famous physicists with their own books and things like that. And so I've had like 50 years of experience and teaching and a buddy of mine, when he retired, he was <laughs> head of the Brazilian Secret Service, gave me an asset that had never been used. It was a 501c3 called Albert Schweitzer University. And I thought, well, I taught 11 years at Harvard. I taught metaphysics as a graduate level course. And John Mack had taken my third course, I think it was in 1992, and started his alien abduction studies. And what? And I then recently, a buddy of mine, turned those into audiobooks. But back then, we had texting and as how you did it out of Humboldt with IES, or Interactive Educational Service, first person to teach online. And when my friend gave me this asset that had never been used, I decided, wouldn't it be cool if I opened a Harry Potter-like school of metaphysics for children? However, <laughs> what I didn't want to do was teach, because children are our single most important natural resource. And they're not geniuses when they're four and five. They're super geniuses. And that means, uh, like in Cloud Atlas, that rather than teach children, what I wanted to do is facilitate them and see what they did using this new asset that I was given. Now, it's a work in progress because I have no idea how to facilitate. I'm a teacher, and I have a lot of criticism from first grade on through sixth grade school teachers trying to coach me on how to do this. but. What I want to do has never been done before. And so what I'm trying to do is integrate how I used to do teaching 
has an incredible, vast amount of knowledge. I have a dedic memory, and so, you know, what do you want to know? I'm like a four-year-old that's now 76, and I have never become seven. I'm a little brat. <laughs> okay, now, with that said, how do you do that? And so I've opened the classes with the first course, which was oriented to attempt to try to turn this crazy viral bullshit on and make it so it was a glass half full. And what they're doing to our children today is they're sending them home early. There's a good chance they're not going to open school on time in the fall. And they've stopped cursive. They they don't they don't longer offer shop, home economics, woodworking, mechanical drawing. When I was a child, when I came back from China as a child in second grade, I took Latin. They don't even think about that kind of thing in our schools today. And it's my opinion that that's because one size does not fit all, that there are many different kinds of intelligence. I'm just one. And what we, and what's happened to me is I become very experienced and know what I can't do. Well, that by definition is also limited. And a child doesn't know how to do something. And I'm the physicist that's now saying that the rules of physics, laws of physics change with different altered states of consciousness. I can prove that. When I watch a woman rip a car door off to save her daughter in a flaming automobile, that's physically impossible. How could she do that? And yet there is. I did the paranormal studies for the military under Dr. Carl Schleicher, the AKA smoking man. That dude was in the same <laughs> desk in Wisconsin Avenue for 48 years. <laughs> Who does something like that? I, you know, he's an alien or something. I don't know. But anyway, what I'm trying to do <laughs> is allow the kids to tell me what they want to learn. Now, we're not even talking about Gen X's. And so we're talking about young kids. And I don't know how to do that yet. So I'm a work in progress trying to understand where what I do is I show them how I do it and then get out of their way to show me what they discover with each other in the sandbox. And so the first course I'm teaching is on Earth, uh, element Earth. We're going to make it metaphysics. And to make it metaphysics, that means I'm going to try to grow food. If the kid has to stay at home, he might as well be doing a garden. And so I figured, let's do a garden where the child is growing food without dirt. That's metaphysics. That's beyond the physical plane. And what I did is I built a very simple at-home aquaculture system that is quite different than a hydroponic system I did with Lunar Base Alpha-1 at Boeing, 1970 under Art Pilgrim, and show them the difference between a hydroponic and aquaponic system and dirt and what the differences and advantages and disadvantages are. And then at the end of summer, their charge is to learn how to grow 40% of the food they eat. And by the way, now, Richard, I, I have to um, stop you really quickly here and just quickly tag on to that, that one of the last times we talked, we, we discussed this interview you, you did with High Times Magazine, and uh, the listeners still love that story. Can you tell us a little bit about that? And of course, Mike has never heard 
uh, the story of that interview. What, what, what did we I talk about? The hydroponic system? Yeah, we talked about growing okay. on the moon. So, okay, okay. That was High Times 20 years later interviewing me in the 90s. In the 70s, I, my first job out of grad school was at Boeing working with Lunar Base Alpha 1 under Art Pilgrim. Now, that later was in South Park, got moved to Kent, and became later the Space Center. But at that time, when I had left Wilmington uh, under du the old man DuPont, um, they bragged that they had more PhDs, but Boeing had even more. And really, I brought, brought into this environment, I'm a child prodigy that's now a monster. <laughs> anyway, what happened was, um, we had to use a closed system where we're in deep space. And how do you do that? Well, I discovered that all your inorganic salts could happen with one-third chicken manure, one-third rabbit manure, and one-third worm casings. And so our laboratory had grading where chickens were running. This is a clean room standard now. Chickens are running around and, and underfoot, pooping through grading into a pool of chlorella, algae, the, the thalapia grading. That was 1968. And what today, 50 years later, we have evolved into more simple closed systems aquaculture, of which I'm setting up for the military sustainable lifeboats for grid down situation. And one of them in Arapaho uses, uh, Arizona uses a 60 foot old missile silo run by 12 families using this little simple aquaculture system I do. And that feeds, it's a closed system, feeds 6,000 people. If I can teach children how to build something simple at home, we will have turned this virus thing into a glass half full because they're going to learn how to, for themselves, grow their own food. And while these children are not going to change this world, their children will. And that's what I'm hoping for with this new university I'm setting up. And then if they want to know about witchcraft, I'll teach them about American Indian tradition and totism and animism, or maybe Aborigine concepts working with Dreamtime. Who knows what they want? Right. What right. I do know. Yeah, it's, it's going to be fun. And Richard, I got to say the world has changed overnight. And oh. this course that you <laughs> want to conduct, of course, it's going to have to be handled online. I'm assuming, right? You, you, you've already had. We've been attacked. And so yes. I wanted to open it on Beltane. May 1st, that's when you turn the water ditches on. I always do something in metaphor. And so Beltane is one of the tactic tides. It's the beginning of spring, the beginning of new ventures, and the kids are already at home. They're not in school. So what do you do? Well, uh, they, you know, they usually send them home in June. They've already lost a full month of their educational process. Now, like medicine, education is broken. It, one size does not fit all, and there are all kinds of different students. Some are faster learners. Others are more thorough. This one is a good librarian. That one is a good, you know, everybody's different, and there are many different kinds of intelligence. And that's why we always give creed a, a tangent here one moment. If you have the physical plane, the emotional. Did we lose them already? Oh, now you're back.
What's that? Oh, we lost you for a second there, but now you have returned. That is weirdness. That is happening to me in everything I'm doing. Yeah, we've been having these issues when we were talking off air. It's unbelievable. Something or someone, it senses, I don't know this is true, wants me not to do this. And one of my buddies said it's Project Periscope or uh, Periscope uh, Looking Glass, where they can see in the future what this project is going to do, changing the world. And what happened two weeks ago is I discovered one of my primary emails had been hacked. We discovered 26 Chinese names and uh, a website from Tehran, and one of the names was associated with that big bust in Cincinnati two days ago. And so uh, we're on red alert because if this is a Chinese asset and I have their names, can you imagine what's going to happen next? They're going to attack everything, and we'll think it's someone not wanting to do this website. In fact, it might be something altogether. Who knows what's going on yet? You know, you can jump into seeing shadows everywhere. Does the boogeyman exist? Yes, because imagination is reality. And one of the theorems I'm telling the public now is man has a responsibility for the thoughts he chooses to entertain. And that's why everybody's seeing apocalypse. You know, this virus is now already led to you can't do any social kissing on the cheek, and personal space is more important. And that is something that should have changed. Yeah, and Richard, tell me society. about that. Tell me about that as we, as we continue here, about your experience with COVID-19 out where you are, Richard. Well, they put me under quarantine when I at, uh, in March 28th while my girlfriend was down in L.A. bringing her folks back up here because I knew they were going to close everything down. And I've been in quarantine for three, almost two months they just released May, a uh, month and a half, excuse me, six weeks. So you were uh, sick, Richard. Is that what you're telling me? What's that? Were you sick? No. Well, yes, I was, but I didn't have the coronavirus. Okay, good, Mine good. Was like, <laughs> good. Uh, okay. Mine was like mononucleosis or Lyme's disease or something. I'm better now. And my doctor did a remote and released me. But um, I had something, and it was hard on me, and I went through it, and might have been a mutation. And the reason I'm going to say that is viruses, you can't immune yourself from a virus because it mutates. And so just getting an immunization like they're going to try to uh, do in Oklahoma, that's going to be a civil war. And watch what happens with the militias and the other people that they try to do it in my state in Oregon. Uh, no, I'm not going to do that. I'll move to Canada first. That is, I, or the territories up north of it, dig in. I have bunkers everywhere, and you can't get through some of my bunkers. I've got them, you know, they're armed to the point where, you know, it's a closed system, and that's that. That's for grid down. That's what Matt Stein and I did. However, what I'm trying to do is turn this virus thing into something that actually was a, everything happens for a reason. Everything leads to something better. And so how can we do this as a way to make changes that needed? Well, food, right now, everybody's wrong in a 3% just-in-time delivery with Teamsters and Longshoremen. And when you 
have a lockdown, whether a grid down or a pandemic or whatever, what happens to your food system? And that everybody gets a big picture on that now. What happens if you do something like I did in Chattanooga four years ago? Michael Moore filmed me doing seven workshops over a two-month period in Chattanooga. And today, four years later, every single restaurant on the Chattanooga River has a greenhouse and the downtown business center, where the center of town is, is now a large farmer's market. And they have a stock exchange on surplus food that week, each week, for other uses like canning and whatever. And that now, Chattanooga as a model, has now gone from, what, 3% delivery, you know, produced locally, to now they eat 40% of the food they grow right there locally. And their new logo is right here, right now. That is what needs to happen, and it's going to take several generations. And so what a perfect concept to start children thinking about sure. their own food. Well, now, now is the right opportunity for you to implement that uh, plan it's to get that into motion. <laughs> this is perfect. I was talking about. It's a perfect and that storm. was like just today when we talked earlier. I can, I, I mean, there's something out there that does not want this to happen because I have offered three attempts, including a backup that was hacked. So last, yesterday, I did class two, moving forward. And today, I finally got my website working again that I uploaded the assets for last week that hasn't happened, but there's your resources because the video that I'm doing isn't really important. I'm just sitting there waving my hands and thinks what's important are the downloads. And what I did is I gave about 20 references on the last week on the distinction between hydroponics, aquaponics, and dirt. And then this week, this last week, was what do you grow first? The herbal pharmacy. Before you even start with your food, you start with your drugs. If you think... I was going to say that right now. I was going to say we start growing opium first if we can. Well, <laughs> how about let, wild lettuce, which is lactinum. There's an opiate. And that's one of the reasons why when I order a salad, I always tell them to hold the lettuce. Because if you eat lettuce, that will coat your stomach lining and stop digestive processes. These are things that most people don't think of and why this virus is dangerous because most people are not well anymore. The food choices that they do and the way they eat, uh, basically everybody that gets the virus is at risk because they're not healthy yeah. and they die of diabetes, they die of... A lot you know, of diabetics, that's true. It isn't the virus that's killing you. It's the fact that you're no longer healthy. And when this comes in, your immune system can't handle it. And so if you were to eat more of your own food that you grew, you'd be eating better rather than... Listen, the drugs of choice today are sugar, cane sugar, alcohol, and tobacco. And those three things are killing people way more than opium and fentanyl or whatever you want to call it this week. I can tell you that the beta testing in prisons went from opiates 10 years ago and today the beta testing has shown it's it's uh, uh, antipsychotics and that's that. So that part 
is a given. What we want to do is try to go on further back. I think he's got a bad. I think he's got a bad signal. That's what I think. Oh, it's been happening. Uh, even off air, when me and Richard have been talking, he uh, he goes in and out. But I think now he's fine. Oh, it's something. There you go. Doing. Yeah. Yeah, you're being. I apologize. It's drunk. not me. I work with CenturyLink, and my upload is below federal regs. They're running that system here like a party line. And that's possibly one of the problems I had is my local carrier. Uh, no, no worries. We're we're good now. We worry a lot. <laughs> uh, so, Richard, I'm, I'm glad you. No worries. Good luck with that one, man. Right. I worry about everything nowadays. Right, and Richard, I, I, you you brought up a lot of uh, good points a minute ago, and I just wanted to backtrack for a second and uh, about COVID nineteen. Uh, we we know it's been mutating, and it's been mutating many times already, and or it already has rather, and. That, so how could you immune yourself right. with a single shot? Yeah, exactly, and that's what I was, well, I was exactly. getting to. Making a vaccine would be quite difficult to create since it's mutating and so many times. And then threaten the parents with, if you don't send, you have your kids inoculated, they can't attend public school. Right. What is what is happening to civil and natural rights of individual choice? And who knows what they're putting in vaccines now because the way they make know. them, they're loaded with toxins. Very true. Very true. And of course, Richard, I'm so glad you're here, by the way. We, we've been seeing all sorts of conflicting reports of, from around the globe. And with your background in growing marijuana and hemp, I've read various uh, reports. Do you know what the future is with marijuana? What is it? It is a virgin white paper pulp. That is its future, not these medical and uh, alleged use CBDs and or sailcloth and rope. The real future right now, they're growing cottonwood down on the Columbia River and they coppice it. That means they go in with a helicopter and they take the top 10 to 15 feet off for pulp, make paper. And the future is hemp growing down there. It's a faster grower and it's a better fiber, longer, longer thing. And that's, uh, never mind. I, I, <laughs> I that's where I think hemp is going to go is virgin white paper. And I'm a visionary, and that's why the military uses me, because I have a sense of how it's going to play. Indeed. Um, so I was I was going to mention, specifically, I read reports coming from Canada. Scientists out there were seeing how CBD oil could possibly be used for its anti-inflammatory properties to battle COVID-19. And, of course, we oh, see yeah, we, yeah, we see other studies as well coming from the uh, the French and Chinese talking about low numbers of smokers impacted by COVID-19. I was thinking, what with your background in growing marijuana and hemp, what, what do you make of this, doctor? Well, I have a new corporation up in Edmonton, Alberta, growing psychedelic mushrooms for the Canadian government and the state of Israel. And when you talk about gourmet mushrooms, that business just closed a business deal in New Jersey that feeds 360 restaurants with gourmet 
what we call gourmet mushrooms like truffle and hedgehog. Okay, then pharmaceutical mushrooms that are used for cancer. We're growing all three of them, and we're no longer wildcrafting them. We're harvesting them in the forest with a new book I've written called Forest Farming. You take a birch tray, instead of chopping it down for the wintergreen and pulling the chaga mushroom off it, what we're doing is drilling holes in the birch and putting plug culture in like you would shiitake. And now you're forest farming it, and you have a better mushroom for addressing these issues than hemp and CBDs or any of it because they have polysaccharides and that oxygen molecule goes in on a cellular level and activates your ATP, adenosine triphosphate, and that is where cold fusion occurs in the body. It's a little quark gluon plasma. And that's where Kervan and others got a Nobel Prize on that years ago on the sodium and potassium transports in the body. You have cold fusion going on. And we never knew what it was. And my paper was accepted at Cornell on looking at ATP as a little quark gluon plasma. And when you hit that with oxygen, your body can't get enough of that. Now it starts to function correctly. And that's why all these mushrooms that's what Russia currently uses for their uh, virus is the chaga mushroom. Chaga is one. There are 72 different ones. Turkey tail, we did cordyceps sinensis, and I hybridized it. So it had 5.4 times the polysaccharides. And you take that as a full spectrum. You just eat the mushroom, and you can power lift records right then, right now. Very nice. Are any are, are any of Go these ahead, mushrooms cyclopin uh, mushrooms? I'm sorry. Are are any of the mushrooms that we're discussing here are they cyclopin mushrooms? The kind that get you trippy and and make okay. you hallucinate? Psychedelic mushrooms. How that works, and I'm working at Oxford with a full professor on that with my model, is that the mushroom itself with psilocin, psilocybin, and norvobiocystin, etc., those are toxins. However, the toxin is very similar to a neurotransmitter that your brain produces. And when the brain sees the toxin entering in, the toxins released, the high you're talking about is from your own brain chemistry, like, like surgic acid amides to be distinguished from LSD or diethylamide. I, um, I'm an expert in this area as well, even though I'm a physicist, because that resonant cavity oscillator, like dimethyltryptamine, there's a difference in the one people smoke in the raves, which is 5-alpha. That was Steve Blake that developed it out of San Francisco. The one that the brain produces is N, N hyphen. We did those initial studies at the University of Washington, and now Rick Strassman is the one carrying the stick on dimethyltryptamine, which, by the way, you can find in crabgrass. Now, with that said, what happens is that when that resonant cavity oscillator, this neurotransmitter, is produced, what that is is a communication device to talk to what we now call subtle bodies outside the physical. Hammeroff would say that that's a microtubule with structured water in it. At the moment of death, there is a five-gram weight loss in everybody. What is that? 
And what we're discovering now is that that subtle body, your so-called soul or whatever we want to call it, and all of this is man's conception because none of this is correct. Space and time aren't real. They're constructs. So once you understand that... I'm sorry, i got to ask you a question. I'm, I'm a little confused here. What you just said, correct me if I'm wrong, what you just said is when someone dies, they lose... Uh, uh, they lose a certain amount of weight. What's that? They lose five grams oh. of weight, and nobody yet knows what that is. And I'm proposing that that's structured water in microtubules of what you would know as chi outside the body. When Cassius Clay hit Sonny Liston, and he went up in the air and flat down on his back, out cold, on closer inspection on that on that flight. Cassius Clay didn't even touch Sonny Liston. Page two. I've seen my Sifu knock someone across the room without even touching him. Now, what is that? That's Chi, or what we allegedly try to comprehend as something outside the body, like we discovered in acupuncture. You poke the right arm, and there's a reaction in the left arm. That's, you know, old Chinese medicine and pulse dying. And what we've now described is a new circulatory system in man that is not blood or air. I'm an anesthesiologist, and the creed on that is what comes in. And air goes in and out, blood goes round and round, and any other movement is not a good thing. And we did. <laughs> that's the old thing from the 1800s. I'm telling you, there's something else going on. And there's a series of subtle bodies that you can take psyche into matter. And when, by taking a mushroom, you take placebo up to 60% using your mind's eye because it's closer to psyche into matter. And we don't know how that works, but we know that if you use these kinds of things like CBDs, there's something else that's going on that medicine is inequipped at this time to describe correctly. What do you think so of that? How did, how did, uh, uh, it's amazing. Uh, it's a little little difficult for me to follow. I, I must admit, I'm not... I'm opening uh, your mind to the possibilities there's something more going on here. I, I get that. I get that. I definitely get that. Um, uh, all I'm saying is that, you know, it's a little confusing to follow. It's very deep, and I appreciate your, your intelligence and your education on this on this matter, I, I was a little fascinated though by what you're 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 mentioning about this this chi, uh, as you described it. That is a well, that's what um, it's been again, called. Who knows what it is? I mean, you know, at this point. Well, how do they how do they know that when the person dies? How do they know that they wham, this that's amount of weight is lost? There's a, again? Um, when the moment of death. There's a five-gram weight loss in everybody. That's recorded. Check it out. Now, I have studied metaphysics to the point where I taught it 11 years. I, I know I don't know. Meta meaning beyond. And I've discovered things like the Bordeaux Thadol, the Tibetan Book of the Dead, talks about what happens at the moment of and the moment just after death. And death is not what we think it is. It is the opposite of life. Now, what is life? Well, we know that consciousness 
is a dream state, that there are dream states like lucid dreaming that have more content to reality than consciousness does. And further, when you go into certain hypnotic states, like I taught Navy SEAL, you can access instinct, which we would normally call ESP, where you're thinking from the gut, the enteric nervous system. We know that in certain states of hypnosis, I've proved it in 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 uh, tournaments with uh, 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 universities where they brought Gene Dixon and Sybil Lee. And, and Mike. Oh, now you're back. <laughs> you were cut off for a moment there. Oh, I'm sorry. The wind took you away. That's, that's okay. Keep going. Keep going. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. I was challenged in uh, the 70s, Duke University. Uh, brought in uh, famous testers after Rinder's doc died, and they brought in famous psychics, and they had me show that the first protocol I did with Navy SEALs was measure the ESP. That's how SEAL Team 1 got selected. I wanted individuals that were instinct, instinctual, not smart. I wanted them to think with their gut, because by definition, when you come from that place, you do not make mistakes. Instinct. And once I did that, I found I could do that. Anybody could do that and led me to the study of altered states and all the different states where one ontolo ontology of it, where one state starts and the other begins as tools in a toolbox. And so most people in universities previously had been hesitant to study these different kinds of altered states as considered to be avoided. However, God had a better plan, and it turns out that what we think is a glass half empty, you know, you don't want to do that, you don't want to study that, turns out that's our future. And now, magic, as you would call it, sleight of mind, not sleight of hand, sleight of mind, you know, is the new direction in advanced physics studies. Check it out. And really? what we're finding... Are, 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 uh, Dr. Miller, are you a religious man? Am I... Are am you a I, religious man? Are you religious, he's asking. That, you know, that's religious. something we don't, we don't really talk okay. too much about. Yeah, here. no. I'm... I, okay. Yes and no. Um, when I was in high school, my parents were atheists. I believed in God. And mom sent me to Missouri County. Missouri Synod Catechism to armor me against the missionaries that were flooding through the high schools then. And when I came out of graduate school, the first thing that happened is I was assaulted by Bohemian Grove, the Skull and Bones, and the usual suspects on these lodges. And I again had to armor up. Now I'm going to say something further. A Buddhist can be a Christian, but a Christian cannot be a Buddhist. Now, what does that mean? Really? Well, it means is the earth round or mind. flat? I'm trying to go somewhere. If if you make assumed truth, this is where physics fails. If you make an assumed truth, like the shortest distance between two points is a straight line, you can very simply prove the earth round. However, if space is curved, and it is in our new modeling systems with gravity and our understanding of space and time. It, then you can prove simply that the Earth's flat using tensor math. Now, is it flat or round? 
And the correct answer is yes, because as a metaphor, <laughs> when I ask you what color that fence is over there, you say, oh, it's brown. You have made an assumption because you can't see the other side. And that part is why you can experience God, but you can't know him. Now, am I religious? No, I'm spiritual. It's not what you do, but how you do it that gets you closer to the Lord. And really, I'm trying to say something that's important because I go to religion, church, for fellowship to reinforce a belief system. But what I train SEALs on is how to change a belief system like you would a pair of clothing. Because sometimes going into Iraq with a, being as a Christian could get us all killed. And that's like taking a sweater off in the heat of summer and not throwing it away. Put it in a drawer to use when it's appropriate. And that's something that none of us have learned. And when I came out of grad school, one of the things I did is hung out at the Quest Bookstore, Theosophy, where you blend Eastern and Western. And Western works in absolutes. My daughter would say, Daddy, I love this. And Daddy, I hate that. And then I would call to the counter would say, I'll bet I could find something you hate even more. And then she got the idea of the one inside the other, because it's always in reference to something. So does the devil exist? No, God's not. My God is not in conflict with anything. He's everything. It's man that polarizes God, not God. And in my belief well system, said. that doesn't mean I'm right. It's the one I use as a tool to go further and with those doors, not those over there. If you think the earth's flat, you're correct, and you only have access to that universe. But if you think it's round, that's why I said a Buddhist could become a Christian, but a Christian could not be a Buddhist. Worldviews. Mike, that's probably the uh, best answer we, we've received anytime we've asked that question. It's, there's an in-depth, uh, uh, answer. I'll tell you that. It's, uh, you are a deep man, Dr. Miller. I am a what? You are what a I deep do? man. A, what kind of man? A, a deep man, a, a good man. Oh, I try to, well, you do bad. I'm a living color. I'm not black and white. And how did she put it in Roger Rabbit? Oh, I'm not bad. I'm just drawn that way. Indeed. So, Richard, what's going on with, with the girlfriend during quarantine? How, have you been able to see her finally? Yeah, but I can't have contact with her, you know, because her parents are old, and who knows what I have. Oh, yeah, exactly. Now, yeah, it, it, the whole thing is the first enemy of man. That's Castaneda, you know, fear. And once you overcome fear, you have personal power. Well, guess what that does? It becomes another enemy. And when you get a little bit older, you start seeing things clearly. And that's the third enemy, clarity. And I currently enjoy the fourth enemy. I'm old age. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, give me a great man. I'm trying to do the right thing. Everybody's different. That's why we were God's favored. We have choice. And Bordeaux Fidal says, the last choice you're given at the moment of death, you're given a choice. You have two choices. You can go to the blue light, which is equivalent to getting off this wheel, or you can take the tunnel of light, which Kubler-Ross 
and James Hellman and others would talk about, which reminds me of a birth canal. Further, five grams of structured water is one million times more efficient as memory storage than the current computer chip you're using in your computer with gallium arsenic. Or gallium arsenic. Those two metals put together have a forbidden zone and storage level that is way less. And five grams of water is enough for 100,000 lifetimes. And guess what? That's all we can conceive of as a video game in the future because time isn't real. So what's going on here? You're in a video game or matrix for the next 100,000 lifetimes? Who knows how that plays? It's a metaphor. That's Gregory Bateson, by the way. What is your metaphor but to serve your paradox? By the way, Richard, we are coming up on a break pretty soon here. And before I even... Is this what you wanted from me, though? <laughs> of course, of course. Before we um, go to the break, though, I did want to ask you about some of the exercises you conducted with Edgar Mitchell, which is kind oh, of insane, yeah. in my opinion. You want to do that now or later? Yeah, well, we could start off for a few moments here. Okay, so... Dr. Stanley Krippner has been my mentor and is the man I'm dedicating my new book, The Non-Local Mind in a Holographic Universe. He's still living. And he brought me to New York City in 1970 to meet Ed Mitchell so I could be at Mission Control in 1971 to do the ESP studies. And then when Dr. Milan Riesel defected from Czechoslovakia, I debriefed him, and that's where my model on ESP came and its relationship to hypnosis. And there's a specific state you can go to where your ability in guessing is 400 times better than where you are in conscious state. And it's very, it's very distinct. It's not over there. It's not over here. It's right there. And the depth of hypnosis is how you measure it. I have right now 102 physical states of hypnosis you can equate and measure as physical state related to depth of hypnosis. And, and so uh, do you, we do you try, try to teach it? my seals to go there because when you go to that place, you're thinking with your gut. Understood. And that's instinct. Right. One, one second. Mike, go ahead and ask your question. Uh, Dr. Miller, are, are, do you practice uh, hypnosis? Are you able to, um, are you able to uh, uh, put someone into a hypnotic Yes, trance? I can. I studied with Gil Boyne and the American Council of Hypnotherapy Examiners, and I'm a certified hypnotherapist. Lou Livides was my, my teacher. I got good at it. I don't use it. In therapy, I use it as a tool in my study of altered states. Meditation states are do one thing, you know, beating yourself with a whip like the Jesuits do is another. They're all go to Rome. The roads lead to Rome. The bottom line is you need a reference point to know what direction you're going, whether you're going toward or away from Rome, however. And that's what I'm focusing on now. Understood. Understood. And Marshall, uh, Marshall, uh, Mike, go ahead. I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off. I, I just wanted to follow up on that question that I asked about hypnosis, which was, uh, I myself tool. have studied hypnosis. I, I, I myself have studied hypnosis since I was 13. And I, to this day, I still, I still read about it. Um, I don't get a chance to use it that much, although I have, I've actually been able to put people 
into a, a hypnotic state and I've actually been able to do self-hypnosis to myself. It's quite a, an amazing thing. So basically, everybody's in a, some state of hypnosis because they're focusing on one thing more than another. It's a filter system. What you want to do is know what depth you're at because that it determines what you can do and what you can't do in terms of tools in a toolbox. It's the depth of hypnosis that makes a difference. And what I've done is try to find a scale in my first book with ESP induction through forms of self-hypnosis. That was the first protocol for SEAL. One of the eight in my Power Tools book was to teach them how to do continuous breathing so that they can, because when you can control breath control, you can take your martial arts to a paranormal level. And that was one of the other protocols. And that is, again, another state of hypnosis. Back when I was doing this, both hypnosis and ESP in the early 70s was considered pseudoscience. Today, they're both generally accepted as tools, very valuable ones for pain control and other kinds of memory access, etc. I was just about to ask you, this was right. during the um, 70s, correct? Yeah, early 70s, 71, 72. I did the SEAL reports in Navy SEALs in the early years in anesthesiology. And then when I worked at MRU, that was right up until about 78. And then I'd had enough of the military and became a mountain man, like a Quaker up on top of a mountain, and I got into agriculture. And I'm a polymath. And so now I've got nine-volume encyclopedia on alternative agriculture. And what I'd like to do now is teach gardening. Not teach gardening, excuse me. I'd like to learn how to offer my knowledge base to children so they can study. There's a difference between learning something and studying it. Studying it is when I ask two kids, why do you want to grow basil? And then they network with each other on their different excuses why they chose basil and watch what happens next with synergy. A Carl Jung concept that then was adopted by Buckminster Fuller and now is an algorithm form in artificial intelligence. Because something more happens when you begin to network. And when a child does it, oh my goodness, we're going to have a miracle happen in terms of the possibilities. Child doesn't know it can't do something. Watch what happens next. And with that, Richard, we will definitely come back and talk about other subjects in a moment. And one of them being 9-11. We are about four months away, I believe. From the reunion, and there were some things I wanted to go over with you, and that's a topic we've never discussed. So, of course, after the break, I was hoping we could jump into that for a moment here, Richard. I jump in, jump out, watch what jumps in with you. <laughs> be careful. <laughs> that's right. All right, Richard. Well, hold on really quickly. We'll be back. And, yeah, buckle up. Yeah, we'll be back yeah. in about five minutes or so, Richard. So hang cool. tight with us. That'd be fine. That's, that's okay. Apparently it is. Okay, Richard, hang tight. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> and we are holding tight here. And uh, Mike, are, are you ready to go on a little break here? I'm good, man. Uh, I'm just going to hang on. Whenever you're ready, I'll be here. Okay? All right, buddy. I'll talk to you in a moment. Okay. Hang tight. And, of course, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to go on our first break here with Dr. Richard Allen Miller. And when we return... 
a very different subject and one that I've never discussed with Dr. Richard Allen Miller. It should be quite interesting, no doubt. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. When we were young men in the military, your father and I were recruited for a project. They told us it was biological warfare, a virus. What killed those men? What killed them, I won't even write about. We have no context for what killed those men, or any appreciation of the scale at which it'll be unleashed in the future. A plague? A plague to end all plagues, Agent Mulder. A silent weapon for a quiet war. The systematic release of an indiscriminate organism for which the men who will bring it on still have no cure. They've been working on this for 50 years. While the rest of the world have been fighting cooks and commies, these men have been secretly negotiating a planned Armageddon. Negotiating with whom? I think you know. The timetable has been set. It'll happen on a holiday when people are away from their homes. The president will declare a state of emergency at which time all government, all federal agencies will come under the power of the Federal Emergency Management Agency, FEMA, the secret government. They call me paranoid. Go back to Dallas, Agent Mulder, and dig. Or we're going to find out along with the rest of the country. When it's too late. And welcome back. For round two. And I believe Mike is also now joining us. What's going on, Mike? Hello there, Michael. Welcome back, back. Welcome back. And I hope you enjoyed the break there. I did. I didn't do much of anything. I just sort of sat around and waited for you to come back. <laughs> I saw God in the restroom yet again, but I'm glad to be back. <laughs> and Dr. Richard L. Miller, what's going on? Well, what do you mean? What's going on? I'm being uh, attacked at all orifices. I, I don't know. Did you just say orifices? Yeah. You know, I gave a little Amazing. bit of this and a lot of more of that. I, you know, I'm being, everything is breaking around me and I can't yet determine whether it's coincidence or something more sinister. And I don't know. It's yeah, welcome creepy. to my world. That's true. Welcome to Mike's world indeed. Yeah. It's Which, like I, I, for the last two weeks, I've had nothing but uh, electronical issues and problems with my computers and my phones and microphones. I've had it. <laughs> it's over. Yeah. But when you discover that one of them is something far more blatant on a different site, but with my email that is my primary recovery email, that's why I have it on a different site. And it's got 26 Chinese names with a, a website in Tehran co-mingled with mine. What does that mean? That's weird. The company that did that can't even tell me how it happened, <laughs> which means while we fixed it, who knows? It might happen again. And then one of the names on that Chinese list is associated with that big bust in Cincinnati. Now where do I go with it? If that's Chinese intelligence, I'm screwed. I mean, there. I mean, you know, I don't know. It's at my website, my brand new website, had been up and down on some people's uh, cell phones. It flickers. How's that work? Yeah, technology is not on our uh, side, as you know, Richard. Well, yes also, and no. I mean, I have been doing code since 1960 for the NASA and those black ladies. I did Fortran and Fortran 4 because I was gifted. But 
I can't, I'm seeing ghosts in the machine for sure. Something else is going on. I can't articulate it. Does that mean it's AI? Probably a third time. Who knows? I don't know. That's the best answer. I don't know. And Mike, go ahead. What were you saying? Sorry. I have I have to make two statements. First and foremost, uh, obviously, when I went to Dr. Miller's um, uh, page, as I told you earlier, Michael, I was right. having a problem. It wasn't working. So obviously, so obviously, yeah, it, it's something that's going on for Mister uh, for Dr. Miller. The other thing I wanted to mention was um, Dr. Miller. I I am unaware of what you're talking about with this this bus. Can you please explain to me and the audience what it is that happened? Because I'm unfamiliar. Can you tell me what happened? In what in what regard? Okay. Um, my email start. My my primary email that I've used for more than 20 years. Uh, when I was uh, the NW Botanicals one, I was a raw material supplier. When I was, uh, that's my outer job. That's the one I do for incomes and so on. For 20 years, I would be a raw material supplier, setting up Cascara. Or four years ago when I retired, I did 150 truckloads of Ponderosa Pinecone out of Lapine. Oregon, uh, working with Guatemala and say, selling to one Dutch buyer, he was dipping them in, in uh, oil and selling them as fire starter. What color do you want your flame? You know, that kind of thing. I worked mostly with Dutch. We were doing wreathing material, uh, birdhouses. We go up into the interior of, of Winnipeg and up north in the wetlands. We had wildcrafters going in and clipping the old bird uh, bird nests just for the floral trade. The floral trade is huge, and not even talking about you know drugs and so on. Amanita muscaria that you consider a poisonous mushroom. There's a firm out of Chicago. It's not Mallinckrodt, but a firm that uses the muscamole, not muscarine, as a sedative used in surgery. Uh, that's what I did for years. I got into native plants. I have a book called Native Plants of Commercial Importance. What I'm doing now as a retired person is now I'm turning some of our forests into uh, farming, forest farming, where rather than knocking wildcrafting cascara bark, we're doing a 13-year rotation on tree plants or tree farms. And there's, you know, on a 13-year rotation, you reset and you've got a sustainable agriculture thing on a wildcraft. What happened with ginseng and golden seal on the East Coast is they got over, over harvested and then they started cultivating ginseng and they're working on a four year rotation on that one. I have in that farm, I have in Michigan, I have a, a 1,500 acre farm growing uh, ginseng in the forest using the natural canopy and flow of the water and setting up, you know, stands where the ginseng is grown and you can harvest it on a four-year rotation, certified organic, da-da-da. But today, I wanted to work with children and I am... You know, at a complete loss, what's happening on my website going up and down? Is it a criminal trying to mess with me? Or, you know, is it something more nefarious? I don't know. I know that my primary website on a different, uh, not primary email on a different website, um, got hacked. And we have military all over that trying to figure out what's going on. I don't know if the two are related. There's a lot of coincidences that you might have experienced even because of the virus. I don't know. 
I don't jump to conclusions, but I often look at shadows and see spooks that aren't there. <laughs> now, hopefully that answers your question, Mike. Sort of. Uh, not really. What exactly? You, you mentioned there was some sort of a bust. Some sort of a, oh, in Cincinnati, sort of a, two, weeks, two, two nights ago. Yeah, that was the big bust where they busted the firm for recruiting and fleecing people like me on the Internet for the Chinese military. It was uh, it, it's in the papers. You'll see about it. I don't I don't know what they call that, but there was a, a large bust for an American firm, which was a recruiting. What they were doing is taking old men in black like me and, you know, sifting through to see if I've got top secret papers and other kinds of things on my computer. I'm not, I'm pretty transparent, but I got, I got somehow something happened and I don't know exactly what that all means. Interesting. It just happened. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have to look into that. No so, doubt. So, so you, you, you work with the Chinese government or, or no, 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 no. I'm retired with Navy intelligence. I, right, I'm yeah, an, I, 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 have, I have handlers I, from Putin. You know, uh, when the um, uh, the Russian mafia moved from Portland down into Cave Junction, they took all over all the uh, dispensaries. And because of my historical background, growing hemp, as uh, you know, and, and marijuana for uh, studies in the early seventies. Well, of course, they started where they were along me like Alabama ticks. And I had to call one of my friends in New Jersey to get a hold of Putin. And that stopped that nonsense because, you know, I'm just a sweet old man trying to do a, a new school and write books. I'm retired. I didn't want to get involved. And if you think the Mexican mafia out here making methamphetamine is weird, <laughs> yeah, watch the new movies, man. But, uh, you know, I don't want to deal with that. I'm very grateful to have a number be considered an asset by, you know, different countries because of what I do. And mostly what they do is they let me go on my own direction because I know what's best and I try to do the right thing. I'm, you ask me if I'm religious. I'm spiritual. I'm a satsangi. I got initiated by Sharon Singh, and I've been meditating and practice training my mind since, oh, I don't know, 1977 when I met. He was uh, he, the fifth plane mystic, Satguru. When he looked me in the eyes and chose me for initiation, he said at the moment of my death that he personally would take me across the abyss. Now, nobody's ever given me anything that far in, you know, so it's a good hallucination. And I realize the importance of householder yoga, of training the mind, because the mind's all over the place, like I am, like a little brat, and be able to take it back and use it as a tool rather than allow it to create boogeymen. That's a good tool to learn. Everybody needs to learn how to train their mind, just a witch. Most people won't even understand what I mean by that, but I think you get the idea. It's important. <laughs> right. And you create your own reality. So it was Joseph Campbell right. who said that when you see the kingdom of the earth on we see the kingdom of of God on earth, the apocalypse has already occurred. It is perpetual in its potential. And so you have a choice of looking at something as half full or half empty. And that is what creates that reality. And so you have to train the mind. So you, you try to be positive when something bad happens. It isn't necessarily bad. I'm going to use this as an excuse 
teach children how to grow food so that they're, you know, they're empowered and attempting to grow more than we currently do. And this concept of going to the post office and personal space, that's something that everybody should be practicing anyway with crowd control and the rest of it. You know, so some of these things that the virus has done could, with the right vision, be turned into advantages rather than disadvantages. Right now, our food supply system is wrong. And that virus pointed it out when you went to the store during a quarantine and you couldn't find what you wanted, toilet paper included. That's nuts. And for if you want to see go what a zombie is, watch <laughs> what happens to East L.A. when they're out of food. Indeed. Yeah. I, I well, agree with you. Griff, man, we need to change some things. That's what the virus did for us. It's a good thing or bad thing? Yes. I, I don't know. Yeah. But how do we turn that spin so that we've got we move forward rather than backward? And so some of the things that have happened with this as a result of this virus should be a wake up call on some of the things we need to start thinking about changing. And I decided to do that with empowering children and at the same time having them learn how to grow their own food. By the way, Richard, I have a friend who is thanking Jesus Christ for COVID-19. Uh, what's your opinion on that? <laughs> How did Two-Face do it in Batman? He flipped the coin in the air. I'm too. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how to respond to that. I don't I, either. You know? I thought it was pretty amusing, though. Well, well I think that's pretty sick. Realize that belief systems are really to be used as a tool, not an absolute. That's your upper brain. And one of the problems with the upper brain is it can come up with the good, the bad, and the ugly. And so if you even start to go there, the high likelihood of getting shot, you can count on it. That's Merlin when he told Arthur, anything not specifically forbidden is mandatory. If it's possible, you can count on it, just like 9-11, just like that thing in, in uh, Las Vegas, whatever. You know, it, what happened at 9-11 is a bunch of things happened. And which one was it? The correct answer is yes, because if this happened, that happened. You think the Pentagon was hit by an aircraft? No, it was the Pentagon trying to have plausible deniability and take out one floor. I, when I worked at the Pentagon, I watched ordnance being created from one floor to the other with, uh, uh, what do they call those? No accountability, sub little cells that had agendas and they were in conflict with each other. Now, how's that work? Right. And so Richard, that's a, that's a saying? topic that we haven't really discussed much at all here on the show, and that's what we wanted to talk about uh, here this segment with you, and I'm glad that was a good segue. And again, a subject that we've never really touched upon, Richard, and now is that time to talk about 9-11 and uh, your perspective on things that happened that morning. Well, I can tell you one thing. Right out of the gate, the only thing that will slag concrete and steel when I watched a 1,017-foot steel beam fall in free fall as it turned into slag and vaporized, there's only one thing in, in the world that we, I know of that will do that, and that's a plasma. So I decided, I was an engine fuel, so then I started to study 
that. And I discovered that if you take a buckyball, C60 buckyball, and you put structured water in it, that's H3O2, you have the finest antioxidant the world has ever known. It'll go in and wrap itself around radioactivity. And 95% of rats that were given lethal doses of radiation survived using that as an antioxidant. However, instead of putting, and that's a 1.4 nanometer spacing between one carbon and the other. That's why it's only water, you know, H3O2. If you put a different form of water in it, let's call it deuterium. Now, what you have is a neutron fullerene fusion bomb. There's a patent. I showed that Lockheed had the Houston. We have ignition. They could, they could, with that teleportation laser, activate that. And Carnegie Mellon did the trigger mechanism. Once that paper was published, I was left alone, like I am being fleeced right now. That's what happens. I write about these things. Now, what actually happened, that was a weapon ultimately, that was given by the Mossad to the American government. I don't think the Mossad were involved, but they were certainly were watching what happened when that was a detonation of Building 7. I don't know about the buildings. I don't know about the rest of it. What I did was Building 7, and that was a deployment of tests, beta tests, on a new weapon. And now that weapon, the Soviet Union, has, or Russia has it, and now it's being deployed in Golan Heights everywhere. Now, what is it? The patents, I, there they are, and that's how it works. And what that's what I do for the military. I figure out what happened. And I can't tell you everything because everything happened there. I mean, an aircraft, maybe, hologram, yeah, who knows? We'll never know who shot Kennedy either, probably. And nobody, when the thing going on, even questioned the Pentagon being hit with a cruise missile, probably. It's very strange. The Pentagon was very unusual. The fact that a government building, a government building not having any footage of what happened. Uh, to release yeah. to the public is quite and what odd. Part of the building got hit, and what was stored there, yeah, that's all very interesting. Gee whiz. And plausible deniability is when the president comes down into the bunker and the mad scientist me comes up to him and says, you want to see one? <laughs> right. That was in, you know, Independence Day. Now, that movie starts with Hollywood, and Hollywood, if she could, because once you can see it in your mind's eye, that is what makes it real. Uh, like a replicator is now a 3D printer. We have a 3D printer right now that will, up on Bainbridge Island, that will print a 30-foot geodesic dome in a special form of concrete with magnesium in it for the domes of Mars. And so once I do that series with with Netflix, watch what happens next on Mars. That's how it works. I'm so confused. Wait a minute, wait a minute. What what on Netflix are you talking about? <laughs> I just we, gave we you the future. I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to do that really. I don't do that really. anymore. Go, go ahead, Richard. I could, I, what was that? Oh. I just gave you a little glimpse of some future that's about to happen. You want to know what's going on in Washington, D.C.? Watch Designated Survivor. That pretty well accurately covers what exactly. Right at the highest levels, there's infighting with agendas. And you, if it's possible, 
That's Merlin. If it's possible, you can count on it. That's exactly how it as I have seen it in my 76 years as a bunch of, you know, I, I know I don't know, and but I can conceive of it. And if I can do that, it's even more than I can conceive. That is, in fact, concepts of reality in conscious state. Uh, I, um, yeah, I understand that. But you've mentioned something about uh, Netflix. Are you involved in uh, something that's going to premiere? I there? submitted some workups. That's all. What? Oh, okay, doing so. some stuff. I have I'm writing a screenplay right now by John Golden called The Once Upon a Time at San Quentin. You think the Manson family was over the edge. I've known Frater Shiva before, during, and after Manson with Solar Lodge. And I have to tell you, this once upon a time in San Quentin, it's time for prison reform because a prison is not a penitentiary, which, by the way, was a Quaker idea. And when that high guard puts a shell in that 3030 chamber, watch how the atmosphere in the yard changes. I can tell you that there's a need for a lot of changes in everything out there. And I'm seeking the right literary agent on that one to present that to some specific uh, directors that I would like to see consider that. Because this this book is a photo shot, which means like Dolphin, Dolphin aren't speaking language like Clifford Algebra. They're sending holograms. And what is a picture? It's a thousand words, and they are so more advanced than we are that we have no clue. And guess what? Orca chases them as a food chain. Now, this book nails what's wrong in prisons today in terms of code of silence and all the different metaphors that have come out of prison life and big business. And look what big business has done with agriculture and the need now for the small family farm and decentralization of our food system. And so my first step there is with children and the screenplay with prison reform. There's a need for that to change. And I don't have the answers. But what I do say is that when coronavirus happened, I saw things that I would never have thought I would ever see in my life. And yet... I was in the riots in Philadelphia when I was in graduate school. I saw that part. And so, you know, back in the 60s, I was there. And that has left an impression with me that I can't even begin to express to you. And it affected why I do what I do. I'm very, I'm, I'm, I don't know, I'm just an old man, you know, but I wished there was more... Uh, how did Rosina Rosanna Dana put it? Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Rosanna Rosanna Dana, Saturday Night Live, Hilda Radner. <laughs> That's my goal as a bucket list. I would absolutely love to open one night for Saturday Night Live because humor. <laughs> is what connects the two paths to God on the outer tree. There's the hermit and the lovers. And you either do it androgynously or you do it with a reflected maiden physical world. And that's why love comes and goes because that part changes in you. Whereas friendships 
or the highest form of love there is. Did you say love? Yes, he did. Is that yeah, what he said? I, I can't hear you. That means that someone you love, it, it, there's a high likelihood that marriage may or not last because your inner feminine is changing, just like you are. Well, that's been and challenged right now with the coronavirus, love, though, by the way. What's that? I said that's being uh, challenged right now as we speak with uh, the coronavirus and shelter in place. We're seeing lots of uh, couples at each other's throats, uh, Doc. Yeah, and what's going to happen is if you started as a friend with that person, there's a likelihood, even though you're not living with her, you still care for her. Sure, sure. That's the way I understand what a friendship is about. You start there, and love comes and goes. And I love right. Tina Turner. Oh, you know, there it is. Oh, who doesn't like I Tina Turner? I don't know everything, but I have studied a little bit of everything. And this is what I've come to and hope to pass on to a child, not as a teaching, but as a resource on why I'm limited. And then get out of their way because they don't know they can't do something. And when they network, huh, watch what, how the whole thing changes. And that's where our evolution is going to come. I have no idea what I'm doing right now. I did my second class under duress. And I'm, you know, an old man trying an experiment. And I, you know, stay tuned. Film at 11, same bad time. You got it. And before we let you go here tonight, anything you want to uh, plug there, Richard? <laughs> I'm a starving artist. If you buy my books, I promise you'll get more than you paid for. I am at richardallenmiller.com, A-L-A-M. And my university, Albert Schweitzer University, is open doors to experiment in working with parents and their children because my goal this this course is to learn how to present my information better to children so they build a better greenhouse than I ever dreamed of. And if they can do that, and then I'll be a grumpy old man I'm looking for the librarian, uh, someone to manage my download library. I have over 20,000 rare books and manuscripts I've collected over the years when I taught metaphysics and magic at Harvard. When I say magic, that's with a K. Do what thou wilt should be the whole of that law. And I am not Alistair Crowley. I don't mean to take over the OTO because I was offered Calivate, Bill Seckler. Mildred Burlingame and Helen Parsons Smith were my teachers, and I turned it down because that's not what I do. Breeze then took over and moved Grand Lodge out of New York one year before 9-11 to Berlin. Wir wollen Deutsche bleiben. I am a scholar that would like to empower children. Understood, understood. So, Richard, I want to thank you once again for being a part of the program. We will definitely have to do this again on the other side, my friend. Oh, what does that mean when after we're dead? Which, which other side are we talking about? <laughs> well, we'll see what happens. Yeah, that does. And with due course, too. You can count on it. I, I, uh, I love what I'm doing. I'm inflamed. Man on fire. I'm 76, young. I have a time machine. I have a get-out-of-jail card at TARDIS. 
That's right. I know how that works too. <laughs> yeah, we talked about that last time. Yeah, maybe that's something we'll talk about again uh, soon. Going back into the past, back or in the time. future, or wait, multiverse. That's right. Richard, once again, always an honor and um, pleasure to speak to you, my friend. I'm sorry, sir? I said always an honor and pleasure to speak to you, my friend. Oh, yeah, my pleasure, please. If I can cause your guests to think for one moment, that's what I'm really about. Think about things. Well, of course. That's why you're here. Yeah. Nice talking with you. All right, my friend. Take care. Bye-bye. And there he goes, boys and girls, the one and only Dr. Richard Allen Miller. And yet again, we will go on a short break here, boys and girls. I have to go outside for a moment here, Mike. I need to grab something. But before we do, we Uh will play some music. And when we return, we will get back to uh, round three, apparently. There's still much more to uh, discuss here. Of course, I wanted to talk about what happened yesterday, Mike. Absolutely. I I think we have to talk about that, right? Our listeners need to know what happened. They need to know. Obviously, they they can't hear the link because, well, we'll explain it when we come back. That's right. In the meantime, in the meantime, Michael, my my brain hurts. (laughs) I'm glad it does. So, Mike, we'll be right back. Stay tuned. And listeners, we will be right back. Don't go anywhere. Round three, apparently, is next. Stay tuned. Lots to uh, go over. Because some of you did not hear yesterday's show, and it's a good one. And now it's gone in the ether. I feel heartbroken because it was classic, I'm telling you. Regardless, stay tuned. We'll be right back. And welcome back to round three. And I do apologize for that break. I did have to use the little boy's room indeed. And of course, I had to go see God. So that's exactly what I did. That's exactly what I did. Are we on? And we are on, Mike. What's going on? How are you? Did you enjoy the break? All right. Uh, Yes, I I am recovering from uh, that conversation with uh, Dr. Miller. That was pretty hard to follow. It it always is, though, Mike. It always is. Well, whenever I, I, I have a Mike, man like him, I, I I think he. I mean, when I have him on, Mike, I, I kind of already know that we're going to jump into like twenty different things, and that's the fun part. <laughs> I think we jumped four subjects in about ten seconds. Well, that's how you do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you have to understand, Mike. You know, we we are. Uh, someone who caters to the autistic crowd out there, those with ADD and every other 
uh, three-letter uh, symptom out there, Mike. Well, you know, he sounds like he's borderline genius. Well, he is. And, and, and people like that, a lot of times, they are very, uh, what's the word? They, they jump around a lot. They, they jump from subject to subject because their brains are thinking so quick. And that's what I kind of got from Dr. Miller. It was a false alarm, by the way. Uh, she blinded me with science. I thought I had oh. to, but no, that's not what happened. But I'm glad to be back. I enjoyed the break. I always do, Mike. I'm <laughs> sure you enjoyed that one. <laughs> oh, of course, of course. And, of co and Mike, I have to say, as a reminder to the newer listeners who stumbled upon the show, this has always been a place for open discussion. And no, we are not backed by any corporate entity. No handlers here. That's how we do it, yeah. right, Mike? That's right. Indeed. Now, Mike, now to get into some more dark matters here. <laughs> you know what's going to happen, right? We have to talk uh, about this. Okay, let's, let's go. Let's do it. Now, for those that don't know, we did a show just the other day. And it yes, was a, yesterday. Yeah, and it was yesterday. An, and it was an early show. Right. With a gentleman by the name of Gary Lockman. And I already now, for, for for those of you who, who who are good in music, right? Gary used to go by the name of Gary Valentine when he played bass for Blondie back in the seventies. Right, for Blondie, and of course, I had told him what I wanted to talk about already. Mind you, he agreed and also specifically wanted that time frame late at night for him. And he's in the UK for those who are wondering. So it was a pretty early show for us and we grow to roll with it. And we did. And the guy yep. couldn't have been a bigger douchebag. He, he was obnoxious from the very beginning when Michael was talking to him, you know, uh, off off air, and then when he got on the air, when I started listening to, I mean, the guy just had a chip on his shoulder the whole time. And you know, here we are trying to talk to this guy about this book that he's written about, uh, which I found kind of ridiculous uh, about Trump having uh, been involved with um, what was it, magic? I, I don't even know. We we didn't even get a chance to really talk to him about it. But aside from the, the whole subject of the book, the guy was a complete obnoxious ass to us. And he talked down to us and treated us like we were inferiors, like like we had never done the show before. It was insane. And, of course, I was respectful, uh, respectful uh, towards the guest as well as Mike. And, again, before the show even uh, began, he was already being a douchebag. He was already in a bad mood. I think we were we were being very respectful, courteous, and at one point he snapped at Michael. First of all, it first it, it it started with the bird. It started with my bird making noise in the background because it was still daylight and the bird was making you know was whistling. Well, hold on, so, I, I got to stop you. It, it started before that though. Before that, okay, go yeah. ahead, go ahead. I was just going to say, it started 
as soon as we started talking to him before we went on the air, he was already was, he was already in a pissy mood. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, he he was obnoxious from the moment we started talking to him. That's what really when it, yeah. But when he hurt the bird, that's when he started losing it. Right. Yeah. First it was the bird, and um, he was like, "Oh well, you know, can we can we stop the bird?" So I'm like, "All right." So. Keeping this in mind, I didn't want to upset for the listeners out there. I didn't want to upset Michael. I, you know, I wanted to because I, I didn't want to make the show bad. I didn't want to upset the listeners, so I immediately went downstairs. I grabbed my parrot. I brought him up here to put uh, to put her on the, the the perch next to me so she would be quiet. Right. So that was the first thing I had. A, I had a I had a quiet the bird. Right. And as right. you know, Michael, the next step we had with him was. We, as we began to ask questions, uh, we asked him one question about Donald Trump, um, and uh, which was, uh, "Do you, did you, what was it? Do you like Donald Trump?" Well, hold on, and Mike, he, I, I got to go back. We got, we got, yeah, yeah, we got to backtrack here for a moment. You know, the first thing he said that was over the line, in my opinion, was his accusation of me not having read his book. That's right, and I have his book right here. Right. It's right here. And, matter, matter, and, of fact, and that, ma- matter of fact, matter of fact, let me grab it. Let me grab his book right now. Yeah, and oh, and, it's and right. As, it's as right we here. To him, wow, look at as this. We, as we were talking to him, uh, Michael had read the book. I, I didn't, and I was honest about it. I even said, um, you know, to be perfectly honest, I have not read your book, and I was about to say. But Michael did, because Michael has the book, and he read it. And I know you read the books when you get them. That's right. So when he said, you know, it's something to the effect, like, it's obvious you guys haven't read my book. And I was like, you, you bastard. You know, accusations right off the bat. Right off the bat. That was not a good look. But yes, Mike, I have his book right here. Uh, Mike, can you hear this? Can you, can you hear me touching the pages? Can you hear that? <laughs> Can hear them, yes. Can, can, you, can, hear the book. can you hear this? <laughs> can you hear I'm, that? I'm assuming that was you ripping it apart. Can you hear this, Mike? Look at that. The, the sound of me ripping pages and just throwing them everywhere. Look at that. <laughs> hear that? Wow. That's, that's what you get Gary Valentine oh for being a prick to us. Now I'm just going to throw it. Just throw it away. There we go. Just threw it around. <laughs> I wish it was now <laughs> i know i wish that was on video i mean that was beautiful yeah you so that. you know that's what i think of his little fucking book you know and as i was saying we we tried to add, look every time we get a, a, a an in, um, a guest on we ask various questions it, it's just part of the show and and 99 times out of 100 we always get back to the topic and in this case, the topic was his book, which was about Donald Trump. It so was about when Donald we asked Trump. Him, you know, he was upset. You know, why are you asking me about Donald Trump? I thought you wanted to talk about my book. What are you on fucking drugs? We were talking about your book. That's right. And of course, I even put his book over, Mike. I put him over. I said he was a good writer. I, I, I enjoyed his book, to be honest. The parts that I did read, I didn't read the entire right. book, but I read most of it. 
And right. again, and uh, again, uh, I'll, I'll still stand by my word. I thought he did a pretty decent job, but then he goes on to insinuate that I have not read his book. And now his book is pretty much uh, ripped apart at the bottom of my feet and, and of course, across the room. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> but, you know, the, the guy, the guy just, it, he, it's, it's, un <laughs> yes. it's undeterminable where this guy was coming from. Because Michael and I are, are doing our thing. We're talking to him. We're, and, and he's getting belligerent. You know, like Michael's telling him. He's saying, Gary, calm down. And Gary's going, don't tell me to calm down. Don't tell me to calm down. So I, trying to be the, the, the peacemaker between everybody, I'm like, listen, take, you know, let's start from the beginning. And at that point, <laughs> Michael hangs up on him. <laughs> that was my favorite part. That was what Michael hangs up on him on Skype. Now, for those of you who don't know, I've been having some computer issues and microphone issues, so I've been doing the in the interviews by phone until I get this new microphone that Michael sent me. And uh, well, that's beside the point. The point. So, so I'm doing the I'm doing this on the phone. So Michael hangs up on him on Skype, which is how we normally do interviews. And I'm left on the telephone <laughs> talking to Gary, and I don't know that Michael hung up. That's my favorite part. And, yeah, this is great. So <laughs> I'm sitting there, and, and, you know, for those who are listening, Michael's gone, and it's just me and this guy, and I have no idea that Michael hung up. And I, it's going on and on and on. We're talking, and, and I'm listening, and I'm trying to, you know, be polite and, and you know, try to ask questions pertaining to his book, even though I didn't read it. Um, you were trying, and I was, yeah, and all of a sudden now I start getting text messages, uh, or what? I, actually, I think you were trying to call me on the cell phone. Yeah, I was letting you know that that I was gone. <laughs> right, and I'm, that's I'm so thinking, funny. Why? I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> why is Michael calling me on my cell phone while we're doing the interview? In the meantime, I'm asking, why isn't he not chiming in to ask a question? You know, you know what I did, Mike. Guy? Yeah, uh, what I what I did is what's called an Irish goodbye. <laughs> uh, it was classic it was classic so mike again you know i didn't like that he was insinuating that i not i did not read his book which is not true so he's painting the wrong picture for the audience about me which is a no-no unless you have the facts to um prove it if you can prove that i don't have your book that it's not ripped up underneath my feet here then you know you, you probably should not uh, say such things here on the show to my audience, That's our right. audience, That's right. uh, Mike. And, and, and just to, just to end the, to end the the story that I'm 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 going to my side after talking to to this guy for like oh I don't know ten minutes while we're off the air, <laughs> not knowing we're off the air. I'm getting these calls from Michael. And I, I don't understand why. And at that point, I said, "You know what? Screw it!" And I just, <laughs> I just hung up on him. <laughs> Good job. You did the right thing, Mike. I would have hung so, up yeah. soon, like I, like we, like I did already. But yes, an Irish goodbye. It, it's a very lovely thing. <laughs> I've never, I've never heard of that before. An Irish and that's, goodbye. That's what it is. <laughs> don't say anything. You just leave. Oh, oh, okay. Irish yeah, yeah, goodbye. that makes sense. That there makes you sense. go. I love that. So, you know, I always start the show off in a very casual but gradual climb, and that's really the proper format here. And then he grew right. very upset over Mike's bird, keep in mind. 
I come from a very different mindset in terms of putting together a show that's enjoyable for uh, you out there listening to this. So uh, with that, with that in mind, I don't care what's going on in the background, good or bad. It, it doesn't matter to me. It adds to um, the environment. I enjoyed the added element of the bird on the loose traveling around the house while we do the show. He's losing his mind. He's tired of being quarantined, that poor bird. So he's fired up and I'm, I'm enjoying that. The guest is losing his fucking mind over it. I'm thinking it's a, it's fantastic. I'm being professional. The show must go on. Uh, regardless, who really cares what's going on in the background? Sometimes there's people that have kids in the background and I still right. carry on because I have a completely different mindset. So not, not everyone's like that. I understand. No. But the thing is, this is all about uh, entertaining you out there. And that's my main object uh, objective, really entertaining you. That's the prime directive, as they say. So he grew audibly angrier and angrier as we continued and he continued making assumptions. And I asked him about Donald Trump and what he personally thought. And he goes, oh, I don't know him personally. And I instantly thought, well, well, no shit, you idiot. I wasn't assuming that you played fucking golf with the guy at the Mar-a-Lago. Like, it, it's about, common sense. About, it's common sense. What about when he said, um, oh, damn, what was it he said? Uh, oh, it'll come to me. Get, get ahead. It'll Keep come talking. to you, I'll, right? I'll, I'll, it'll come to me. I'll, I'll figure it out in a that's minute. What, that's what she said. <laughs> so, you know, I'm talking, I'm talking, uh, I'm talking with this gentleman here. And I'm trying my best because I can understand he is angry. He's he's just yeah, growing more and more frustrated as the the conversation continued. And I'm trying my best to behave and act like a professional here, and which I did. And I tried. And I just asked him a simple question, and the guy went off. I just wanted a simple answer and not a simple answer, not some condescending uppity piece of shit answer from the guy. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And I know what it was. And Mike, here, here's I, the I, thing. I'm not done yet. Hold on one second. I, I got to, I got to get this in there. <laughs> okay, I'm fired up now, Mike. Yeah, go, go, I got go. fired up all of a sudden here. So Mike, he wrote a book about Donald Trump coming to power using occult magic. And he tells me it has nothing to do with politics. Are you are you serious? Are you fucking retarded? What nothing to do. Yeah, nothing to do with politics, right? Right. Oh, okay. God, what what a fucking moron! Oof. <laughs> I don't want to talk about politics. My book is about Donald Trump and magic, but I don't want to talk about Good politics. Lord. You idiot! I know what it was that he said, and I, and I think this. Go I ahead, this Mike. Is what t like really tipped you off. When he said to you, when, oh, actually he said to both of us, how about it? I hang up and you guys take 20 minutes to read my book? Oh, that's right. That's what he did say. What an asshole. Yeah, what a cocksucker. <laughs> it was astonishing. Oh, my God. No, I but can't I, believe it. I've written a book about magic and Trump, and I don't want to talk about it. The thing is, the thing is, Mike, it, I wasn't even insulted by that. I was actually entertained. The the thing that was yeah. the the thing that was insulting is the fact that he actually flagged the video while we were doing a show live. That's the other thing. That's where I really got pissed off because here here he is, uh, you know, just being a complete jerk. 
And while we're talking to him, he does, he, he, he flagged, what does he do, flag us or, or report something us or something? Something like that, right, yeah, something like that. So, yeah, while we're on the air talking to him, this, this, this obnoxious piece of shit goes and, and, and reports us to YouTube and makes it look like we're giving him a hard time. I couldn't believe that. That got me so angry. At least have the courtesy, the courtesy to at least finish the interview. If, if you don't like it, then, you know, complain or whatever. But my goodness, to, to give us a hard time while we're on the air still talking to him? What a jerk. Yeah, I was kind of fucked up. Got that right, brother. Yeah, that's the only thing that bothered me. But aside from that, I was actually entertained and I was hoping to get a copy of that show, but no one has a copy. That's really sad. And, you know, again, it had his book has a lot to do with politics. And, of course, the book isn't even original, Mike, by the way, which is also something I was going to mention to him uh, during the show. The, the subject has been discussed by other notable authors already. Yes. So, you know, shortly after that unusual exchange, he began to, to try to press me some more. And, you know, it reminded me of a few ex-girlfriends and thought, and I thought, wow, the soul of a woman is inside this man here. And I could hear his mama coming out from him. <laughs> you know, he continued, he continued to be emotional and say nonsense. And I decided yeah. right there and then, Mike, it, he needs to calm down. And I told him to calm down, which made me, it made me want to laugh, to be honest. At telling him to calm yeah. down. That, that was funny. Yeah, he was like, don't tell me to calm down. The other, <laughs> the, the other thing I found rather amusing after I hung up and I, I got on the phone with Michael again was when uh, Michael tells me, um, uh, yeah, after, after I hung up on, on Gary, Poor Gary. Everybody in the chat room was saying, Is gave Michael, <laughs> did you leave Michael or did you leave yeah, Mike Hideous Mike. on the phone with this guy? He's like, oh, yeah, I think I did. <laughs> I, I gave uh, both men an Irish goodbye indeed. <laughs> oh, And then brother. shortly after, I must say, Mike, I, I got an email saying the video has been removed by YouTube. And sure enough, we are no longer on the air at that time. And the video, in fact, is gone in the ether, nowhere to be found. And of course, I wasn't recording the audio, which I should have been doing uh, from the start. And I'm doing that now. But it was classic, and I enjoyed it, even though the guy was human garbage. Absolutely. Just just a pompous idiot. I'm sorry about you that, know? Mike. I, I owe you a, an apology for wasting your time and my own time. Not at all, brother. Uh, you didn't waste my time. That that guy's just a jerk, you know? Yeah, I'm not going to allow that I, guy to insinuate say, nonsense, by the I, way. I will say you did you did hang up on, on him and me, you bastard. <laughs> well, I gave both of you an Irish goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Oh, sugar. Uh, well, nah, you, know, it, my... you didn't waste my time, bro. Okay, not at good, all. Good. Not at all. Well, you know, again, you're not going to come on, on this show and accuse me of nonsense. You know, I've never told right. a lie to any of you out there listening to this or you, Mike. You know, I've told the truth no matter how bad it hurt. Good. And I paid the price uh, for telling the truth many, many times, Mike. And that extends to uh, my personal life, too. Sure. It's sad, but it's true. I've been well, 100% transparent, up. Mike, with all of you out there. Yeah, at least you're being honest and you've, you know, you're, you, 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 you're tried and true. 
Well, I'm trying. Trying. I'm trying. Yeah, I, I try. I try as well. So that was the fun. That was the I fun of it all. We, I, go, I guess we won't be having Gary on anytime soon. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reach out to him tomorrow. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so the, the, uh, name of, the name of his book, for those that are wondering, it was called Dark Star Rising Magic and Power in the Age of Trump. Don't buy it. Yeah, don't buy it. I don't recommend it. And I don't either, and I didn't even read it. <laughs> I, I wonder if the, the comment also set him off when I asked him if there was some sort of Fleawood Mac moment that occurred. Yeah, he, like, he was just... He didn't like that at all. said that, he didn't like that at all. Yeah, he got pissed. Like, you that was could just awesome. tell he was like, the, the blood was boiling inside. Well, he needed to calm down. Yep, calm down. Don't tell me to calm down. I'm like, calm down, Gary, <laughs> calm down. No. <laughs> yeah, he's like, no. That was funny. I, I swear I've had arguments like that with women before in the past. So, you know, I already know saying calm down to a woman or anyone for that matter. It's going to it's gonna make them even angrier. Yeah. So that's why I said it. So, you know, <laughs> I had to have some fun. Oh, man. That was classic. God damn it. We don't have that saved anywhere. Oh, I know. It, it, you know what? At least lesson learned. Now, now you know for the future. You know you want to record the episodes at least for uh, if 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 they're not as entertaining as the one that was yesterday. Then you know I guess you could get rid of them. But you know to to record them for prosperity or to for to prove that you didn't do anything wrong. Um, it, it's probably a really good idea. That's true. All I said were the the rumors true. That's all. <laughs> you know, the people wanted to know, so I'd ha I had to ask. Yeah, I mean, the guy was in a rock and roll band. He was in a punk rock band. He lived with with Blondie and and uh, what, what's his name, uh, Chris Stein. No, right. that was a drummer. No, wait, yeah, that's him, Chris yeah. Stein, the, the guitar player. I just uh, don't understand why why you would be pissy about doing an interview that you agreed to and knowing. Uh, knowing well what the questions were going to be like. Well, if, I mean, that could be a rhetorical question, but sure. I, I, I have to say, in my opinion, personally, I think the guy just has an, a constant attitude. I think he's one of those people who thinks he's a, you know, entitlement kind of, kind of guy, you know, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. I'm speculating, but that's what I get. That's the kind of impression I got. He was just like this, you know, always being uh, given, you know, like the the red carpet treatment, so to speak. And he probably just expected things to go his way. But but honestly, I don't see where we went wrong. I really, really don't. Mike, I don't you need to Mike, you need to calm down right now. You need to calm down. <laughs> That's the way I was saying, yeah. right? <laughs> Unbelievable. Calm down, Mike. Calm down. Don't don't tell me to calm down. Calm down. Just calm down. <laughs> it's okay. I'm I'm getting more and more angry. <laughs> he was like a soccer mom <laughs> with a Xanax problem. With a Xanax problem. There yeah, you go. it was like a tongue to a woman at Starbucks again. <laughs> Good God. You know. Uh -oh. So, Mike, one of the things I was going to tell him that this just occurred. Uh, well, I shouldn't say it occurred. It just manifested into my mind just now. One of the things I was going to tell our friend Gary before he uh, spazzed out there 
was whether <laughs> whether anyone likes or dislikes President Trump. I said this was quite an interesting look into the human psyche. And a lot of it concluded to me personally that the American people, uh, they really resonate with uh, an authority type figure, the, author- the authoritarian like figure per se. And that's something I was going to mention to Gary. And, uh, you know, before I could even reach to any of these conclusions and say the power of the human psyche and the power of intent can be quite beneficial to a certain degree. You know, uh, I had so much to say and, and the guy acted like a little bitch and ran. Absolutely. Well, I shouldn't say he ran. That? I should say he wouldn't exactly calm down. And at that point, you're, you're not going to have any sort of uh, civil discussion with anyone who is that angry for no reason, Mike. It's really a no-win situation because, of course, I could sit here and say, yeah, well, we could go back and forth with the argument of, uh, did you, you, he didn't read my book and, oh, I read your book. You know, I, I didn't want to play that fifth grade bullshit here. Yeah, I mean, and why would notice, I get into Walton, it with he, he cut you off every time you were talking? That's what he every did. Every time you kept interrupting it constantly. That's true. You and me both. Yeah, it was weird. Yeah. It eh, was odd. Whatever. He, he's obviously he's obviously got issues, So, but it was not our fault. You know it. I know it. I hope our audience knows it. Uh, for those of you who did hear it. Calm down. Um uh, yeah, calm down. Um, he, <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we, we didn't do anything wrong. So the fact that YouTube took down that. I can't uh, believe it. He took it down. He took it down or YouTube took it down? Well, I'm pretty sure he put in the request there. I don't see anyone else who would have done that at that hour. Okay, I see. I see. So it, it, it was his request. I have a feeling YouTube. he did. Yeah, I have a strong feeling he did. I can't, well, you know, I should say I don't know per se if it was in fact him. We could give him the benefit of the doubt. We don't have um, tangible evidence stating that it was him, but I have a strong indication that it might have been him. Is it Does does a, a guest or, or somebody that is being interviewed by you, do they have the ability to do that? Uh, I guess so. If he puts in some sort of claim. Oh, okay. So you have to put in what you're saying is you have to make a, a complaint, a complaint, right? Excuse me, mm-hmm. to YouTube in order for that to happen. They don't have the ability to do it themselves. I guess so. Okay, just curious. Yeah, it's interesting. That's never really happened before, where someone does something like that. I'm sure that's a well, that's a first for you. Huh? It was. I mean, I've I've gotten into it with a couple people before, but. Not where they go and complain. And when you've gotten into it with them, I'm assuming you're saying you debated with them uh, on alternate sides of, of a subject. Sure. Okay, so that's perfectly normal. Anybody coming on the show should be willing to accept debate. Exactly, but the you. thing is, the thing is, uh, when you come on here and you make up claims, uh, false claims, uh, and you're insinuating that I'm lying. I mean, that's that's a big red flag to me right there. Right. No, I agree 100%. Yeah, I can't stand for that. No, and you should have to. I, You know, I have some sort of um, some sort of responsibility here. Yep. In my yeah, opinion. Again, like I said, the guy's just got issues. And, and for him to do what he did, he, he's got... 
He's just got issues. But I'm glad we discussed this here. <laughs> Definitely fun. I wish I'll it, man. That. I wish we had that saved, though. I'm sure a lot of you out there would have probably enjoyed that one. It was classic. Yeah, I wish I had. <laughs> It was the fun. audio of when, when we continue to talk on the phone. That too. The show. <laughs> that too. That was great. Uh, that was yeah. fantastic indeed. And Mike, I, I got to say, we were supposed to do another show uh, Sunday with Jim Fetzer. Yeah. The Freight Train. And? Well, that's no longer happening. He has a show on Sunday at that exact time. Uh, so we moved it to Monday. Yeah, don't worry. We're still in. Okay, but we're not doing anything on Sunday. Nothing on Sunday. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. I, I I apologize to everyone out there as well. Sunday is usually pretty boring. And I was looking forward to uh, talk, talking to a Jim, the free train uh, Fetzer, the professor. And now we can't. Something else uh, was a, a conspiracy. It was a conspiracy. He uh, double booked himself. I got to ask you, um, having spoken to Dr. Miller tonight, um, did he ever answer your question about 9-11? I don't, well, I think he did for the first um, minute minute or two, and then, of course, we, we jumped off. Okay, because I, 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 I didn't get, I don't think I got anything answered. Well, there's a lot of, there's a lot of digressing going on, yes. Yeah. <laughs> no offense to the guy. He's a nice guy. He's very, he sounds very intelligent. And oh, he very, is. Yeah, the thing I is, Mike, you got to... I couldn't follow him. <laughs> well, that, that happens. He's a sharp yeah. guy, that's why. Oh, yeah, yeah. And like I said, I think he's probably borderline, like, genius. He's he's 90 going north, Mike. Yeah. At all times. Guys like that, guys like that jump from subject to subject because their minds are racing. That's know? true. And he was even high. Was he? No, I said he wasn't. Oh, he wasn't. So, he, he, is he a pot smoker? Of course. He's been growing it forever. I knew he was growing it, but I didn't know if he was a smoker. And, and, and that was the other reason why I asked if, he, you know, when he started talking about the mushrooms, sure. if he's like eating mushrooms too, psychobin mushrooms. He was taking LSD with uh, Timothy Leary back in the day. Yeah. 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 But pretty I mean, nuts. You know, I, I couldn't get any solid answers or at least any answers that I could follow. I, I was really... I was chasing butterflies in that conversation. <laughs> you were uh, chasing the dragon, Mike. I, oh, well, no, I wasn't chasing the dragon. I, I've done that before. but uh, and, Well, I know. It's not, a joke. Not, <laughs> not with this conversation. <laughs> My goodness. So, Mike, yeah, we, we do have uh, Jim Fetzer on uh, Monday. And uh, okay. Tuesday, we got Leo Zagami back on. Leo, Leo. Yeah, we were supposed to interview him. He is the contributor, a very popular contributor to uh, InfoWars. For is he, yes, is he the guy who canceled on us like about a week or two ago? No, he no showed. No showed. Right, right, right. Okay. Yeah, but we talked. Okay. He's some things happened, but he's fine. Everything's good. Okay. Yeah, he okay. was. Uh, he was tripping out. He was like uh, telling me uh, that's going to be a difficult show to do because you know I, I I'm the voice for his uh, his show that he does. I do a bit of a voiceover for him. Nice. So he was marking out for me. <laughs> it's pretty funny. I told him, Leo, don't worry. I told him to calm down. You calm down? Yeah, I, told, I said, Leo, calm down. 
Yeah, he, he needs to calm down. So yes, um, Gary needs to calm down. Everyone needs to just calm down. Uh, people in the chat calm room, down, calm down. Damn it. Just calm down. <laughs> Take a chill. Simmer down. Simmer yeah. down. That's right. So, Mike, uh, it's been a, a good evening here. I've been having some fun here and all sorts of things going on with uh, COVID-19. Cases are going up. People are angry yet again. People are tired of staying locked in their homes. I'm sure you yeah. are feeling the same way right now, Mike. I I, I got to be honest. Uh, my my concern has to do with making money. Um, and right now, with all the businesses being closed, all the certain businesses being closed, and that's what really gets me. Um, you know, you got you got places like supermarkets, you got gas stations. Uh, I don't know other other places that I know are working. But, but me, uh, you know, the, the guy I work for, um, who has a studio uh, out here in Pennsylvania, he's forced to stay closed. And as a result, I'm not getting any work. Thus, I am in serious concern for my income with, uh, uh, you know, work. And, and that's that's my biggest issue is that if, you know, if certain businesses are allowed to stay open, um, then they should really open all of them. We're going bankrupt here. Indeed. Like JC Penny. And, and, yep. And 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 if 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 they're gonna talk about uh you know the, the, the government continually giving the, the, the country stimulus packages and, and checks for twelve hundred or two thousand dollars a month, I'm sorry, but as nice as that is, uh it's not a good idea. It really isn't. People need to make money the old-fashioned way by working, not not you know sucking off the government's tit. I agree with you, Mike. I know you do. I know. That's right. Terrible. It's it's, it's time to get this country back in order, or we are going to have some. Not only is the country going to have some serious issues, the world is going to have some issues because if we have a problem. The world has a problem, and that is a fact. And I don't see an end in sight, by the way. Right, and that's what's that's what's really starting to get people jarred. Yep, you know? the House passed a three a trillion dollar coronavirus relief package just uh, this Friday. So that that's going to put our our, our 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 deficit at what like twenty three trillion dollars? You think at this point? I don't even remember what the number was. I don't even. Yeah, um, I'm not even sure if we even have an accurate number, an accurate estimate uh, for any of this sort of thing. Yeah, well, I mean, even even down to the virus itself, Mike, we don't even know the right numbers, the right statistics uh, today. Still, everything's still so uh, new, Mike. This is pretty nuts, in my opinion. Yeah, and as as I I mentioned to you on Thursday, have you lost track I of time yet? By the way, Mike. Say again. Have you lost track of time yet? Uh, I haven't. No. Am I supposed to? Well, I kind of have. I don't even know what date is sometimes now. <laughs> well, what I was going to mention, I, I told to you uh, in a private conversation on Thursday, I had a scare with my pop. Oh, that's right. Your dad. We, yeah, we, we thought, the, my brother and I... Um, uh, not that I saw, I saw my pop, but my brother saw my pop, and and um, 
we thought for a brief moment that he had caught the virus. Uh, fortunately, I mean, based on the, sim- the symptoms he had, which were fever, shaking, um, uh, that sort of thing. Damn, yeah, you thought your old man had COVID-19. That's right. So did my, we. My, so my. we. We thought it was, that's what it was. And then for, it took like five hours for us to figure out what it was. And it turned out to be a UTI or a bladder infection. Um, but boy, it scared the heck out of me. You know, my pop is going to be 89. And, uh, you know, I was, I was very concerned. You know, I, I, I just couldn't understand how could this happen? You know, uh, he lives in a, in an area not, that much different from where I live in in New Jersey, in a very rural area. You know, there's not a lot of people, and uh, I, I kept I, I just kept asking the same question: How could he have gotten it? How could he have gotten it? But well, that's probably uh, Mike. That's probably a, that's probably a good thing that he you know ended up having like UTI or something. You know, instead of COVID nineteen, you know, it's better they had chlamydia than COVID nineteen. Absolutely, and, and that's a joke, by the way. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but uh yeah, thank goodness that it is what it is and tomorrow, I'm sorry, Monday he's going to the doctor and uh cause good, we didn't want to bring good. him to the hospital. Yeah, no, don't do that. That would be the worst thing he could do. So, uh he's getting by with some medication that uh, uh one of the nurses that we know who cares for him um, it gave him like an antibiotic, but he's going to the doctor on Monday. So my pop's going to be okay. I'm happy to say, um, he's the sweetest man I know and, uh, love him like a rock. That's so, good. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. I didn't want to talk about that, uh, with the listeners until you, um, sort of mentioned that. I appreciate that. Yeah. Because I wasn't, good. I wasn't even sure if you're going to be here. That's why. Um, well, you know, I'm, I'm glad you had that respect, but, uh, everything, since everything is okay, I don't see a problem to, you know, not talk about it. So, uh, I'm okay. It, it, and he's okay. So that's all that really matters. Very good. Very good. I was, you know, I was thinking if he had the coronavirus, you know, I was ready to play some, um, Kenneth Copeland here for him. Put your hand on that television. <laughs> You know, I was worried, Mike. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm sure you were. I was going to send <laughs> send you, you an audio. Uh, I was going to send you a disc with with he this on here. You could just play it for your dad. Your healing, yes. Now it's a good thing, Mike. Say it. I take it. I take it. I have it. I have it. It's mine. It's, it's mine. mine. I thank you and praise you for it. Yes, and I forgive. If I, I praise you for it, Mike. Any. And I praise you that I'm well and whole. There's people, um, according to blessings the blessings to Mike's pop in the chat room, Mike. I'm healed. Yes. And I consider I said there's not pe- my own body. Let me pause that. I'm just, I'm saying there's people, um, blessing your old man well. Oh, that's very kind. Thank you. Uh, thank you, listeners. I really appreciate it. Um, my pop is a wonderful man. He's a wonderful old man. And I look up to him and respect him, and I love him like you have no idea. He's, he means the world to me. 
And uh, nicest guy in the world I know. Nicest yes, guy in the world. Yes. I consider not he symptoms. He needs some uh, Kenneth Copeland, Mike. But only that which God has promised. God will save him, Mike, in my opinion. Only that what the Word has said. Only that what the Word And by his stripes I was healed. And by his stripes I am healed now. I'm not the sick trying to get healed. I'm the healed and the devil's trying to give me the flu. Like, Damn devil, Mike. Or whatever else kind of uh, thing. Is yeah. Uh, <laughs> healed and well. Yes. In the sweet name, name of Jesus. Jesus. Oh, God. Sweet baby Jesus, Mike. Sweet Aunt Jemima. Did you feel better after that? That healing there. I, I always feel better. So much better after you, you play that for me, my. My satanic urges all just, they just go away. Why, why do you deny God, Mike? Is that a serious question? Yeah, well, why do you hate God? I don't hate God. I don't, I have searched all my life for God. And I have not been able to find him. Um, which doesn't necessarily mean that my belief in Satanism means that I, um, uh, how do I put this? It doesn't mean that I I believe in some kind of a guy with a, a red, you know, red skin, horns, and a and a tail, and a cool goatee. Um, you know, my belief in Satanism is is a it's a it's a, a method. It's a, a way of of life. It's taking full responsibility for your own actions and not blaming the devil, so to speak things that go wrong and the good things that God created. So having gone, having been a Roman Catholic, you know, being brought up a Roman Catholic for at least uh, 14 years of my life as a child, um, and then seeing all the things that I've seen in, in, in my life and in the world, I'm sorry, but I don't see a God. I can't seem to find a God. And Satanism makes more sense to me than blind faith. I think I could help you, Mike. I think I might be able to help you. Really? And how would Mike, that be? Mike, this is God. Yes. yes, God. Why do you hate me? Because you don't exist. <laughs> Mike, come on. Yes, God. How do you hate what can me? I do? How, why do you hate me, my son? Uh, it's not that I hate you, God. It's just that I don't believe you exist. My child, please. Please what? I love you, God. Mike. Believe in me, Mike. Yeah, well, you know what? Give me a sign. Stop the, uh, stop all the, the mayhem that's taking place on Earth. The wars and the hate and the violence and the, uh, just the destruction of, of, of wildlife and, you know, Fix that, and then I'll believe in you. I love you. <laughs> Thanks, God. God I, loves I you. That. He loves you. He said. Thank you, Mister God. Oh, oh, you're back. Okay. Yeah, I went. I ran and got God. Good. Apparently, yeah, he loves you. Start. So, I, you know, we I don't can, understand. We can really start something here. You know, this is like a comedy routine at this point. <laughs> I mean, that's our closing bid. It was a good one too. Yeah, we're having <laughs> you fun. Do that more often. <laughs> oh, I know, right? It was a 
fun little bit there. But yes, um, I, uh, apparently I, I was hearing it on the other side there. Uh, you know, God came in here and, you know, he was asking you to believe in him, Mike, and the, the power of belief. And by the power of Christ compels you. He loves you, Mike. I, I, I just need to give him a chance. Uh-huh. I'll believe in him when you believe in him. Well, I keep Jesus in my back pocket, Mike. Do you? Yeah, just like my friend, what? you know, he was thinking Jesus Christ for COVID-19. <laughs> my God. Well, as I said, uh, once he starts making things better in the world, then I'll... Oh, what happened? I think we got, we lost Mike now. No, I'm here. I'm oh, here. you're here. I thought something, yeah, I thought you cut off there. Maybe I did. I was going to say, maybe, I'm, I'm may, right. maybe you need another stimulus check. Yeah, I could use one of them. <laughs> a big fat a stimulus check for you there, Mike. Yeah, I'll take a couple of them, actually. Yeah, for some people, government is God. Yeah, that's that's a scary concept. Um, I'm not at all a believer in large government, and, I, and 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 you know what? I've had my share of unemployment, welfare, food stamps. Um, other various types of government help, but uh, I'm not all for it. You know, I'm not going to get into the whole thing right now, but... Yeah, no worries. I'm We're going to close up. It's okay. Yeah. I'm not for government uh, support of the people. Work. You know, you want to succeed? Work. With the government supporting you, you have no... You have no... Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? You're, you're, you're not stimulated to go out and do things on your own. That's how you become a success. Doing things on your own, not sitting on your ass and sucking the tit of the government. Amazing. So, Mike, any final words before we part ways here? Um, plug anything you like. The floor is yours as usual, my friend. Take it away. Thanks, buddy. Uh, as usual, guys, you can uh, see my artwork and my photographs on my website, horribleartwork.com, horribleartwork.com. If you're interested in my music, uh, musical efforts, um, you can uh, go to mikehideous.com, which is M-Y-K-E. And if you'd like to contact me on Facebook, uh, you can go to Hideous Mike, uh, Hideous Mike, M-Y-K-E. That's it. Very nice, my friend. Well, I will talk to you on the other side. Yes, and thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, love you guys. Michael, had a blast with you, as always, and I will talk to you soon. If you're going to call me, call me on the home number, okay? Clockwise. All right, buddy. Mahalo. Take care. And there he goes, boys and girls, the one and only Mr. Mike Hideous. He drew assignment yet again. Boys and girls, and thank you, all of you out there. Thank you so much for hanging out with us this evening. It's been fun. And of course, the mods out there, thank you very much for your hard work. No doubt. And don't forget, if you are a quote-unquote fan or quote-unquote hardcore listener, remember, you too can go back in time and listen to some of the interviews I've done over at patreon.com forward slash Michael Deacon exclusive content and you probably won't find it here on a YouTube unless I 
upload that last episode with Oli Damagard. Perhaps I'll upload it soon on YouTube. We'll find out. I'm still weighing out the options since yesterday's show or the day before yesterday. That show is gone. How sad. So yes, don't worry. Perhaps I'll throw you a bone and upload the show with Oli Damagard, which was quite entertaining. Again, that's for the hardcore listeners out there. Patreon.com forward slash Michael Deacon. And of course, take us on the road with you. Download this show on iTunes, Stitcher, and the CastBox, which I prefer. That's the best place. CastBox. Once again, thank you so much for all your support out there. Those who already signed up on Patreon. I know you enjoy it. I get feedback all the time. It's been worth it, no doubt. And yes, iTunes, Stitcher, CastBox, and Spotify. International listeners out there, thank you so much for your support. Canada, Germany, the UK, Australia, Norway, and Brazil. And the Brett Lewis bonus, Michael Bone Us. Yes. Perhaps I will bone all of you in the chat room, no doubt. Top Talent Show yet again. What does the future have in store for us, America? I don't know. I just wish you all well. And take care of yourselves out there. You must learn to adapt now, as all control has been lost. And that's the truth. And with that said, the world is a mysterious place, and life itself is a mystery. Until next time, good night, everybody. Good night, everybody.